0: Welcome to Six Pack Discussions, where Cody and Jared take on the biggest, most talked about headlines with logic, passion, and a six pack of beer. If you're
1: listening, we challenge you to take an unbiased view of the world, because we know these conversations are complicated. So sit down, crack a beer, and welcome a new perspective. Okay, guys, coming in with a new episode, Um, we are uh, talking about... Probably one that I'm pretty passionate about, actually. I don't know how passionate you are about this one, Jared. I, I think you might have thought it's. Maybe it's sarcastic or serious? No, 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 I'm pretty passionate about this one. Um, and I put it on the list a long time ago because I'm like, you know. This is
0: one of the original, probably the original 10, 20 yeah, topics I've, before we started getting uh, yeah. suggestions.
1: <clears throat> and uh, I think this is going to be one of the largest conversations in America for the next two to three years. Like, I think this is going to rise to the top. Um, in the news, in daily discussions about the right way, the wrong way, and I haven't even said what we're talking about just yet, but <laughs> we're talking about consumption of meat and its effect on people's bodies and the environment. Yeah. So you know, consuming dairy cat or not dairy or dairy, but uh, you know, meats from cows, uh, you know, sheep, lamb, pork, chicken. You know, consuming of meat, and you know, is it is it healthy for you? Is it maybe detrimental to your health? And then what's the, its effect on the overall climate? Uh, I think a lot of folks have, you know, I'm sure in your research, you probably found... Emitting don't. methane. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. Methane and its effect on the environment. So that's the episode for today. Jared, you want to introduce a beer, buddy?
0: <sighs> yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, Reluctantly? It's, <laughs> really? It's Guinness Extra Stout. Extra Stout. Not just... Not just... Not just regular stout. We'll yeah, throw a little extra. There. So,
1: yeah, this is... This is like... Guinness is like like... Uh, you could say like top label almost like it's like oh this is like a little bit better than the normal one yeah what do you think about it so far yeah oh don't tell me actually we'll talk yeah. about it a little bit buddy <laughs> so what uh what are so, you so thinking on. You were- I want
0: to I want to actually oh, yeah, rewind it. a little bit I want you to elaborate a little bit more on this this self-proclaimed passion that you share on the subject that's that's an interesting word to use yeah for for something that's kind of like eh. Uh, I don't know. I know.
1: Yeah, there's not really like a lot, like there's like some conversations that people can get passionate about, but you don't hear people arguing about, you know, should you eat meat and not eat meat right now, like everywhere. What I'm passionate about is I think there's so much information that's being um, conveyed in this discussion as fact, yet... I think there's also a lot of misconceptions around the entire thing. So I think I, what what I, what I really want to do maybe is clear up some of it today. Maybe, of course, some of this is opinionated on yeah, my yeah, end, yeah. of course. But I think that we don't have all the facts yet on what meat does to your body nor to the environment just yet. I think it's we're a little presumptuous in believing that we have all the facts. So when I say I'm passionate about it, I just think that I'm passionate saying, hey, guys, there's more to uncover here. Let's take a step back. Do some investigative, you know, work here. Figure out is this true or is it not true, before we start making large uh, uh, assertions. That's why I mean I'm passionate about it. Does that help you out a little bit? Yep.
0: Yep. I got you. So I just out of curiosity, just to understand and, and give our listeners maybe like uh, current practices for the Willis and Jones household.
1: Oh yeah, a good idea.
0: Have you ever seriously considered removing meat? And or if the answer is yes, then I can only assume that the current practice, just knowing who you are. Have you ever went through any types of uh, sustained period of withholding meats from your diet?
1: We've done both. We went the opposite in both extremes. Um, vegetarian, um, we went probably for about a month uh, where we would not eat any meats at all. Really? Yeah. Yeah, and it was just for fun. It wasn't like we were going to like change our habits. Like We we ate eggs still. We still had, I think, there some dairy products.
0: Yeah, so you're a vegetarian, not a vegan.
1: Yeah, exactly. So you know we were probably, but we probably had some fish here and there, so maybe more of a pescatarian. But, yeah, yeah. but let's just say we definitely did not have chicken or red meat um, in any of our food um, for probably about a month. And then we also reduced it for probably maybe three to four months uh, where we were only having meat uh, for dinners, but no meat for breakfast and lunches. So we kind of went in that direction for some period of time. And then recently, I think I told you. you said I Joe Rogan and. Yeah, recently I went for a couple of weeks just eating meat and fruit. So no grains, no vegetables, none of that. Um, just for fun, just to try it out. What does
0: a typical meal look like that with uh, meats and fruit?
1: <clears throat> we eat a good amount of meat already. So it's not like it's that different for our household already because I cook a lot of meat. Um, so usually the only major difference is we're not going to be having any type of, like, side vegetable. Like, a lot, of, a lot of our meals have side vegetables, but a lot of people think vegetables are, they're, a lot of times they're actually fruit. So, like, we were still eating cucumbers and tomatoes and all, peppers. Those are all fruits, technically. And so, a lot of our meals didn't change because we don't, don't actually eat that many leafy greens in our house. And so, it wasn't like it was a massive change. We were having, usually, some type of plate of meat, now, the one thing that did sh- shift is that we weren't eating any tortillas, or I wasn't eating any tortillas, which yeah, we... you do eat, a lot of greens. We do a, lot, do a of,
0: lot of... You do a lot of rice. Yeah. Rice
1: and tortillas are a staple in our house. So that was one thing that was missing in our diet, and I actually noticed that I was craving, like, sugar almost during those weeks, because I wasn't getting carbs, simple carbs. And so... Uh, it was weird because I was like, man, why do I want like a a Hershey bar right now? <laughs> I'm not joking. Yeah. It was weird. And it's not like I get those cravings often. Or I was like, oh, I want ice cream later at night after we eat dinner. And it was because I wasn't getting a lot of the simple carbs that I was getting prior. Um, so yeah, we've tried some extremes, not saying that I'm like, it's a lifestyle force by any means. What about your guys' house?
0: You know, honestly, uh, Britt and I, we probably over the last six months, I would say we've, uh, We've made a concentrated effort over the last six months to truly look at our, at our diet, um, to try to, you know, make little incremental tweaks here and there. Um, we try to eat, you know, we've already done this whole podcast on organic and all natural all that stuff. But we too had to be very cognizant of the ingredients. But truthfully speaking, now doing research, you know, it, it kind of piqued my interest a little bit. But we've never gone, I I don't want to speak for her, but I know since we've been married, we've never gone vegan or vegetarian or anything of the such. Now, I've been traveling a lot for work lately. And I'm sure as you can attest, whenever you're going to dinner with clients and lunches with clients, it's very difficult to pass up like, you know, the chef special and it's smothered in sauces. and Shit like that, right? It's fantastic. So I actually try to make a concentrated effort whenever I'm out on the road to actually eat fish. And very oh, yeah. salads now because there was probably a two months two months stretch there where I was traveling a lot. Yeah, and all of a sudden those uh those lbs on the scale they were uh, You're like are climbing a little bit. So uh, so yeah, outside of outside of that, I I don't consciously pick a non meat diet. Okay. I never have no. That was yeah, a long way to and
1: that. probably I gave you guys my extremes, but generally maybe I should give you my general like the general will's household. Um, we eat meat with every meal. Um when I say meat too, I, I I don't know. I think the general perception of meat is like beef, but when I say meat, I usually mean just any type of animal flesh. So from fish to beef, to pork, to chicken, is that all right to say?
0: You- uh, in in the Jones household, I'd say for breakfast, traditionally, ironically enough, now that I just uh, went a very long way of saying about our, our, our meal practices, <laughs> we actually don't eat a lot of breakfast meats. So for <laughs> breakfast, a typical breakfast will be like a uh, cheesy eggs and maybe a little side of potato or uh, fruit and yogurt. We don't eat a lot of breakfast meats,
1: actually. Yeah. You know, we we didn't used to, and we started recently. Like, we eat bacon, sausage, and carne asada now almost every morning.
0: No. On the weekends, we'll have a little bit of fun yeah. with various breakfast meats. But, no, like, during the week, very rare that we'll eat breakfast meats.
1: Yeah. Um, so, our house, red meat. You know, I think that's one thing we're going to talk about the most probably today. I, I say that was probably the most prominent of this. Oh, yeah. it, it's not... And I'll give you some reason. It's not really it. meat versus everyone else. It's red meat. Yeah, so red meat. So yeah. let's just talk about, you know, beef and, and cattle really, right? That's the one that I think a lot of times is going to be in this conversation. We'll get to why in a second. But um, if you if you count up, you know, seven-day week, you know, what is that? Seven times three, 21 meals, yep. right, for, for a person. How many of those 21 meals have red meat in them?
0: Are you talking about in, in our household? Yeah. I would say probably s- I'd say probably seven. Yeah. I would What's say a, a third? third. Yeah. I feel comfortable saying a third. We eat a lot of chicken, man. A lot of chicken. Yeah, no, but seven's a good amount. Yeah, you no, know, it's it's a reasonable amount, but probably seven. Yeah, seven means like, hey, it'll either be for
1: lunch or dinner. Mm-hmm. Right? One one day a week yep. or one meal a day, we'll have meat uh red meat. And I think that's about right for us. We probably are a little bit more lean uh, on red meat, like more actually. I should say not lean. Um, we're probably about ten. Okay. So we eat a lot of tacos. It's so I make carne asada. Yeah, yeah. You're a big taco yeah, a lot of tacos. A lot of carne asada. Um, breakfast meats. Um, halftime will be a, a beef. Like I'll just cook like a literally steak and I'll just chop it up, throw it in the eggs. Um, Anna likes that. Um, she likes you know something in the eggs. She doesn't like just eggs. Uh, I don't care. Um, but, uh, and then dinners, you know, probably three dinners or four dinners a week, we're going to have red meat. So, probably 10 meals a, a week or dinner. Now, here's something that's kind of crazy. And I, the reason I asked that question, just kind of doing a little bit of recent news, something that kind of came out that I think should have got a little bit more eyes on it, uh, the Department of Agriculture, uh, alongside with University of Michigan, recently announced um, kind of the following meat um, guidelines to meet climate requirements. So, you need to cut about 90, the, the Americans need to cut about ninety percent of red meat from their diet um, to meet climate requirements. This is about four pounds a year, or about one burger a month per person. So that that's pretty drastically different than what me and you just said, right? One burger a month. You know, I just ate a burger last night. Um, <clears throat> so this is why I'm kind of passionate about it, is the the, the request. Is fairly large, and I'm wondering if the payoff is worth it, or if it's actual.
0: So, do you think you have to make such a large request because you know the masses are probably going to look at that and laugh? So, you're hoping that you know a fraction of them will over overdo it to where you kind of get the result that you probably want. Did am I making sense with that ask or that statement? I don't know. I I was kind of thinking
1: right now, if if you ask somebody to pay small amounts of of debt or lose small amount of pounds, I think making incremental changes is more powerful than asking for one large change. So I think this request almost gets laughed at and it's not possible. I almost am taking the extreme and saying, Jared, that's impossible. Not even gonna try. What what do you think about that argument?
0: No, I I agree. I don't think it has. I think the intent, And the impact are are disconnected here because I think the intent, I think I was kind of more so aligned. Now I think the impact that's how I view it as well. Like, well, that's not, that's not even freaking possible. It's very similar to how I equate it is, Hey, uh, Mr. Mrs. Uh, Willis, Willis Jones, whatever, you know, Johnson, I want you to read 30 books a year. Oh my gosh, that's ridiculous. What, What the hell are you talking about? but then all of a sudden you start breaking out in bite sized pieces. I want you to read 20 pages a day. That's that's doable. Oh, that's palatable. Yeah. That's yeah. that's 30, maybe 35, 40 minutes yeah. on my time. I can do so that. So I think it was I think it was uh t- to your point there is that you make that incremental incremental change, but it's it's no different than, you know, the stock market, right? You know, Warren Buffett, you know, he's that standing bet with any hedge fund manager as far as give him 10 years and, you know, he'll he'll just track the S and P 500 and they get to do whatever the hell they want. hundred percent. No one wants to get rich slowly. No one wants to diet slowly. No one wants to, you know, reduce the carbon footprint or the methane footprint or whatever it is slowly. Right. You, you got to do these knee jerk reactions. You got to get the headlines. You got to get the sexy funding for studies and get your, uh, get your agricultural school out there. Right. That's, that's my opinion. I, I'm, I'm curious to what your take on that is, but I don't know. I, I think it's uh, I think it's a little clickbaity to me. I think it is. Um, so let's talk about maybe some of the repercussions of
1: and why it's even in the news. I don't know if you've seen this kind of pop up in your, I know this is in my YouTube stream a lot. Um, maybe it's just what I subscribe to. But I don't know if when you, when you were doing a little bit of research, you probably were finding that. <clears throat> I, I think the health repercussions or the benefits is not making headline news as much so as the climate. What would you say is we kind of making? and we'll go through both of them but let's kind of maybe prioritize it. Which which one do you think is kind of being headline reason why we should reduce meat consumption?
0: Oh, I would say it's, it's the climate. Okay. Me too. That's okay. That's what I'm agreeing to. I would agree with that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I would actually say it was finding the research as far as, because a lot of the the credible sources, now they were a couple like, you know, the men's health journals and stuff like that towards a little less scientific. Um, But the true scientific sources that I was trying to research, I actually appreciated the, the nod to the difficulty in the experiment because there are so many factors when it comes to reduction of life or quality of life and things like that. To where I really appreciated the fact that, yes, we did measure meat. However, there were 18 other levers that we could not control because these are humans, right? These are not lab rats. So you just went into it. Let's talk about the health one already.
1: Yep. Because I think that's your great lead in. Most of the studies done with meat in the human diet are observational type studies, which... Um, In the scientific world, if you're going to write a journal and do some type of observational type of study, really what that means is you're going to say, okay, let's select these 20,000 participants. Jared, you're one of them. Mm -hmm. You're going to be part of this meat study. Um, If you don't mind, uh, can you fill out this survey? Yep. Go ahead and let us know what has been your general diet, just like what me and you just did. How often are you eating red meat? You said seven times. Yep. Perfect. What are the other items in your diet? Great. Awesome. Um... Do you have an active lifestyle or an unactive lifestyle? Yep. Great, great, great. We ask you maybe, let's say, 30, 40, 50 questions. You send that in. Five years later, seven years later, 10 years later, we go ahead and ask those same questions over and over again. And then we find out that you die from a stroke. Then we say, okay, were any of those questions indicators that possibly you died from a stroke based on your answers. You look
0: at all 20,000, how many people died, what are the similarities in the questions answered. Exactly. That's an
1: observational study. Now, unfortunately, one of the very first things you learn about in a statistics class or any type of science-based class is correlation does not Not equal causation. causation. And so a lot of meta-analysis and a lot of just analysts in general discard observational studies because there's too many factors, especially in humans. You know, are they smoking cigarettes, perhaps? Are they drinking alcohol? Are they drinking alcohol? Um, One of the things that when I was reading it through is, unfortunately, a lot of heavy meat eaters tend to be men. Okay.
0: Men, men actually have a shorter lifespan than women. They have a
1: shorter lifespan than men be, or than uh, women due to maybe jobs, due to stress, due to whatever. Due to stupid shit that we like to do. Exactly. <laughs> right. We, we, you don't see too many women jumping over the Grand Canyon on a motorcycle. Nope. Right. They're shout much smarter Knievel. than us. Evil Knievel, shout out.
0: <laughs>
1: but, well, right there, that would contribute to, unfortunately, a different type of correlation just because most meat eaters are males. Now, they try to fix that in the in the studies, but it's very difficult So the only way to really do this is, of course, you know, force people to eat certain types of foods. Those type of studies never actually make it to the board because it's improbable to come to me and Jared and say, hey guys, you guys need to eat meat only for the next 10 years of your life and it might kill you. Yep. I mean, are you going to say yes to that? No. No No one's going to say yes to that. So it's very, very challenging to do a study on um, restricted diets. So they, they pretty much have to use these observational studies, which are problematic to your point. I think you mentioned a minute ago, any kind of comments on that?
0: No, I think you hit the nail right on the head and that's why, that's why this is going to be an interesting episode because from a health standpoint, it is very opinion heavy. 100%. Right.
1: On the health side, I think mostly scientists kind of base their facts on those observational studies. But if you read it, the observational study, you could get to two different conclusions in some points. And that's what I read a lot of. I'm like, these guys are citing similar papers, but, they have different conclusions almost because the analysis, if you compare this one to another one, all of a sudden there is no uh, correlation at all. A good
0: enough statistician can make the data say whatever they need to make it say, right? Yes. (laughs) I mean... Exactly. Um, But in
1: general, I think a majority of the reports and studies done over the last 20 years stated that red meat and processed meat were bad for you.
0: Yeah, I mean... now again, you know, as as Cody just alluded to, this whole observational study. I mean, the processed meat, there was a distinct difference. I mean, we're talking, you know, five to eight percent more likely to early death as opposed to red meat, stroke, heart attack, diabetes, cardiovascular. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the processed meat that that's borderline irrefutable, right? Because you know, regardless of the multitude of factors and levers that you know you can obviously try to control from an activity level, alcohol consumption stress, et cetera. Oh, cancer. I'm sorry. Cancer. Yeah. That's a good one. Actually, cancer was a big one in processed meat as well.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think colon cancer. Now here's oh. the issue. Who's getting colon cancer? Males. Oh, yeah. And so here's the issue with that one. It's like, I, I still think there's a correlation i about not saying process. I don't want any processed foods, but processed foods might be also eaten by people at a lower income levels. And so there's just these other factors that I just don't know how well they're getting taken mm-hmm. into account, you know?
0: No, 100% agree. So yeah, man, I, I agree with everything you said, but it was interesting is that the processed foods, uh, the processed red meat, I'm sorry, that's where it was irrefutable. Like, that was clearly a, a, yeah. a an indicator that you are going to die early. if you That's a uh, staple of your diet. 100%. Um,
1: anything else on the health stuff that we want to highlight before we get into the climate stuff?
0: You know, this is a little... Well, actually, dude, we already cracked our second beer. Oh, dude. Yeah, we did. Shoot. Okay. So, like we introduced this, this is, you know, Guinness's extra stout. You know, no real, what is it? Um, I guess there is a little blurb on here. I'm sorry, guys. Intense, characterful, and bold, Guinness extra stout is the pure expression of our brewing legacy. Bittersweet with subtle hints of hops, dark fruits, and caramel. This stout is a testament to great brewing. Wow, man, that'll make you tear up. Um, where's Guinness from? Is it from
1: Ireland? Product of Ireland, baby. From 1759. This is this is from before America was America.
0: Well, that's kind of cool, right? Yeah, that's actually kind of unique.
1: So this beer has been brewed what, before. What's he? Uh, before ABB. America existed. What's ABV? I think it's like 5.6. Uh, yep, 5.6. On the front there, buddy.
0: Right? I can't read. Yep, I can't read. Um, All right. This
1: is a staple, actually, in my house. So Guinness. Uh, like the standard Guinness is probably one of our top beers drinking here in, that, in the Willis household. Um, there's nothing quite like it. It's one of those beers that kind of stands out, and it just tastes good. Um, I recommend stouts to anybody.
0: I can't wait till Mavericks twenty one, and I get to show him the world outside of the Willis household beer drinking because that's horrible that you. Would so say this
1: that. is a a four three from Cody here. Great
0: um, beer, Guinness. Oh wow. no 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 drum roll! You're just gonna hit me with the four three.
1: It's called anchoring in negotiations.
0: Holy shit! Now, when you drink that, don't you get like.
1: like Bust of flavor, like real all right. flavor.
0: All right, so here let, let let's be real, honest guys. I'm not a stout guy, not a porter guy, not a stout guy. Right. I took the first sip, and I think you all heard it in my voice, not pleased. Right. But as I've drank about you know one and a half of these now, it, maybe I was being a little over dramatic here. So. I think I'm going to go 2 3. It it's tolerable. It's not nearly as bad as I thought it'd be. It's not nearly as bad as I thought. What'd it'd be. you go with? 2 3.
1: 2 3. Yeah. Okay. You want to tell a story about uh the beer I was going to use?
0: Oh, the pickle juice beer? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, guys. So Cody hits me up. This is probably what two Saturdays ago. Yeah. Yeah, two Saturdays ago, he's at Total Wine because, guys, in all seriousness, this is a problem now that we're in episode, what, 55, 56, whatever the heck this is now? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. So it's very difficult because as we try to, I mean, this is probably the largest beer manufacturer that we've ever had on this episode, right? Or this podcast, I'm sorry. So we're actually running into a little bit of problem that we're running out of microbreweries to try, right? And especially, you know, the readily available ones like, you know, the Sprouts and the the Kroger's and things like that, right? So Cody's at the gas station. I'm sorry, Cody was at Total Wine and he's perusing the aisles and I don't care how long this podcast goes, we will never run out of beers if our source is Total Wine. So he finds this uh, this pickle juice sour ale. He texts me immediately. He's like, dude, Got this pickle juice IPA, or I'm sorry, this pickle juice uh, sour. I would give it an honest one. He goes, I couldn't even finish one beer. I was like, no freaking way. Because I actually like pickles. I'm a pickle guy. And hell, Cody drinks pickle juice. Like he actually enjoys it after a workout, I'm assuming, right? 100%. Um, so anyways, I, I I come to his house, you know, sit my happy butt in our new, uh, our new studio, our new podcast studio that uh, that he built. And he hands me a pickle juice sour ale. And I'm like, oh, shit. This is the infamous, infamous 1-0 beer. And guys, we have had beers on this show that we have not finished. I think, what, like four or five episodes ago. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We literally stopped finishing it. I'm sorry, we stopped drinking it in the middle of the episode. So anyways, he hands me it. And I take a sip. And I'm expecting just sheer disgust because I'm not a sour guy. Cody is. And he didn't like it. I was like, damn, like this sucks. And guys, Cody was dead effing wrong. Um, by no means would I ever order it, but I wouldn't mind ordering it. I think I gave it a two seven, right? Yeah. two seven in your kitchen? Yeah. So long story short, I would pick that pickle sour over the Guinness Extra Stout all day long, twice on Sundays. And I'd give it a one. Yeah. You didn't finish it. I took one sip and I said,
1: Anna, try this. And she's like, oh, this is great. And I was like, I'm not touching it again maybe there's some raw, I might have to crack one more. Might as well. I mean. Okay, so let's get into the climate opinions right now. So, we went over health. Uh, You know, one thing we didn't talk about is the meat discussion, of course, is getting, uh, uh, before we get into the climate, guys, I'm sorry, but just because we're on the health part, um, the the meat discussion is kind of getting taken over by vegans and carnivore type eaters. I don't know if you saw that kind of extreme oh, yeah. verbiage, but vegans, of course, are on the polar opposite and believe that nobody should be eating any type of animal or animal byproduct, right? Eggs, dairy, honey, things like that, mm-hmm. and they they truly are on the side that all meat is bad and should never be touched. And then you have carnivores that are saying you should never be touching vegetables. Uh, I, I think. Well, your boy Joe,
0: Joe Rogan, yeah, he's yeah. on that kick now, right? He, I don't know if he's. I think maybe he did it for was, a period of time, right? Yeah, yeah, I think he did it for a period of time. Because every little Roganite is they're on is it. Big, big, big meat. Hell, you were big on meat
1: because I of that, tried right? it. I, well, I tried it for that week. I told you, yeah, yeah. I I'll, I'll give it a try. Now maybe a week's not enough time. Um, and I, it was not just meat, guys. It was meat and fruit. That was really what I was kind of digging on. Um, but uh, you have kind of these extreme parties. Forming around this meat discussion, which I think is not healthy for any, any reason. For any topic. Yeah. Any topic. Extreme. Yeah.
0: No, extremes are never good, man. Exactly. There's so much gray in life. So much gray. (sighs) There's different shades of gray. There's never black and white, in my opinion. Never. Never.
1: So that was one thing I want to bring up is just the whole vegan carnivore, you know, craziness that's going on with the whole discussion. Um, The climate discussion is. Why the hell don't we call them herbivores? Why do we call
0: them vegetarians?
1: I know we call them carnivores, huh? Why don't
0: we just say herbivore?
1: Well, it's interesting. One of the things that I noticed during the <laughs> herbivore conversation is her, all the herbivores out there are like ruminant-type animals. I guess that's what the right word is. Ruminant, they have like multiple stomachs to process a lot of the foods. And they have a different digestive tract than humans do. So maybe that's why.
0: They have different teeth, too. Yeah.
1: Now you're getting into a little bit of the ele- evolution factor here. Did humans evolve eating meat because if they did then it should be in our diet and if it if we didn't then we shouldn't be eating
0: why the hell else do we, else do we have molars
1: we have molars we have incisors teeth, yeah. we have we have you know incisor teeth um you know teeth incisors to... are canines right yeah they're all the front four pretty much right for front oh five. I thought
0: those are the the four pokey guys
1: I think these are all incisors the, oh. the front ones and the top ones as well okay Um, and then the pokey guys are also incisors. Um, but we have those teeth to essentially shred meat, right? There's no reason you need that for vegetable. No, no herbivore has those type of teeth. Um, we also have a digestive tract specifically for meat. Um, I believe our spleen is meant to counteract certain bacteria that forms on meat, right? We don't use that anymore because we don't eat raw meat, but we have a spleen you know, everyone thinks it's useless. Well, it actually was very useful when you used to eat raw meat. So there would be very little reason to have those evolutionarily, right? You know, over millions of years, why would you need those items unless you were eating meat? So I think there's a strong argument that meat is supposed to be part of the human diet, but just how much is kind of the argument. How much? It's always the gray area. How much? Always will be, yeah. Always how much, right? Um, But I want to get to the climate discussion because I feel like this one is probably going to be the passion of conversations here going forward. Did you did you get that or no?
0: So I didn't focus too much on the climate aspect. I mean I know large amounts of water. I mean huge what is isn't it like 20 pounds of water 20 per gallons of water to make a pound, right? Yeah. Something crazy. So massive amounts of water that's huge in Arizona as you guys can imagine with constant threat of droughts and severe droughts. Um, massive amounts of water to just keep the grain alive in order to keep the cattle alive. Obviously, the methane emittance into the ozone, horrible. Um, I mean, that, those are undeniable facts, is the impact on the climate there.
1: Yeah. No, I think there's a lot of things going on here with the the cattle industry. And i watched a lot of like pro-con type stuff. Like, wh- where are the actual facts? The water one was interesting. I, I don't know if this was true or not, but there was a a, a gentleman, I don't know what he was... He worked for one of the um, state, you know, agricultural groups. And he's like, ah, the whole water consumption thing, to kind of go off your point, is actually a little misleading because that counts the rain.
0: Mm. So, unfortunately. Man, that's one of those little clickbaity stats that I fell for then.
1: Yeah. So he said for every pound of beef, about 90 or 94% is actually rain that falls on the ground that cattle are raised on.
0: So this isn't like potable water. It's like, it's not a zero-sum game. Like every gallon of water I give a cow, I'm taking away from a human. This is literally 94% is rain, is what you're telling me?
1: Yeah, so in, in there and was, there was also another guy that rebutted this a little bit. He said that that land could be used for planting forest and the forest could be using the rain
0: And obviously the trees would clean the air.
1: Yeah, but here's the issue. I guess a lot of the land that cattle are raised on, apparently two-thirds of all the land is not friendly to crops nor trees. So I guess a lot of cattle-raised land, at least in America, is very inhospitable for anything other than grass, So you know when you're driving across you know some of the states that have a lot of cattle like Idaho or Wyoming or Montana, and you look around you're like there's no trees here, but there's a lot of cattle. It's not like they're like they chop down the trees. Now in some areas like Brazil they they are chopping down the rainforest, right? They are doing that to raise crops to feed their cattle, but at least in America apparently it's it's very rare to find cattle ranchers because it's so expensive. It's so expensive to clear land, but it's very cheap to just buy land that's already grassland. So it is a little misleading, I guess, the, the whole... Because what, what they're saying is, oh, there's rain there. Any rain that falls on that land contributes to the cattle growing. And unfortunately, 94% of it is rain. So that's a little clickbaity, right?
0: Yeah, man. I'm, I'm actually really disappointed in myself that I took the stat at face value. And really didn't interpret it appropriately. Or maybe not interpret it appropriately, but dissect it appropriately. I think it's what yeah, I'm I, looking I, for.
1: Yeah, I, it's not like I, I almost just fell on that, you know, happily. I could be incorrect, guys, of course, comment on that. But um, it was kind of interesting when he was walking me through that. The next thing that I was also interested about is okay, Um, a lot of the climate stats state that global production of food is responsible for a lot of the. ...planet heating gases. The number ranges, but really it was about 35%. So 35% of all of the climate change is due to food production. And meat accounts for 60% of those greenhouse gases. So meat is a majority of the food production. Like, we're not going to get away from, of course, producing food. But if you were looking at where you could lean out, apparently meat is... Big issue. And that's that's based on some government studies. Mm-hmm. And you actually kind of mentioned it because meat, what, is it, what does it produce when it burps and farts? Methane. Methane. And methane is pretty potent. potent for a greenhouse gas. It's much more, I think it's 10 times as potent as CO2. Is that what you saw?
0: Yeah. No, I mean, I, methane has always been just yeah, bad. detrimental to the ozone.
1: Now, here's one thing I didn't realize, and uh, this could be wrong, but I was lo- looking into the you know, remember the water cycle back in the days? Remember this? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. So the water cycle, there's a carbon cycle. Every p- product that we put into the environment has a cycle of some sort, right? Well, there's a methane. Every
0: renewable resource. I yeah. Guess, right.
1: So there's a methane cycle that I was unaware of. I was like, oh, this is interesting. So methane, when a, when a cow eats it, grass, right? There's carbon in that grass it digests it and it forms methane and then it burps it out and goes into the atmosphere. That goes into the atmosphere and hangs out for several years. I don't know. I think it ranges between five and 10 years based on the climate in that local area. And then at some point, it gets broken down into carbon and H2O. And it gets rains back and then it forms more grass. So... Unlike fossil fuels, methane apparently actually almost always comes back to Earth, but fossil fuels stay up in the air because there's nothing really kind of like trapping it again. Mm. But grass, you know, it, there's kind of like a cycle that almost puts it back into the ground for the, the cow to eat it. Mm. That's kind of interesting, right? It is. <sighs> you know, a little scientific, honestly, for us, probably, but.
0: Yeah, I'm not even going to try to comment on it, honestly. So, you know, with a lot of these podcast topics and stats and takes that we do, I always try to, you know, get it back to the to the so what, right? So, okay, so we're saying that, you know, clearly it's bad for the environment, you know, all the land that it takes, um, the methane emissions, you know, you're talking about the methane cycle, which actually makes it a little bit more palatable, right, to maybe dispel some of the scares and worries associated with, you know, these these. Bastard carnivores out there in our <laughs> society, right? But there's eating too much meat. But man, think about the economic impact. Like, you know, let's say, I'm, I'm sorry, was it the University of Michigan, I yeah. think you alluded to earlier? With, oh, I'm sorry, you, you stated earlier with the uh, agricultural college. One burger a month. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine the economic impact that that would have and the waste that that would produce? Because right now, the cows are already dead. So, I mean, are there. So, everyone just drastically cuts their meat consumption by 90%. What do we do with all that waste? You're or sorry. do we just starve the cows to death? Because we still have to feed them until I mean, they're natural causes, and then what, we just let their meat go? I mean, you know what I'm saying, man? Yeah,
1: I think... I think.
0: What about all the truckers that are yeah. supposed to ship it? What about all the farmers? What about all the, the pesticide companies? What about, you know, the... Governments, you know, that are, I guess, subsidizing. it, Like, did were all these people that just manage that just kind of poof? The economic <sighs> impact for us truly reducing 90% of our red meat consumption. <clears throat> it's interesting going here. Because did that I, be detrimental? If, if you brought this
1: argument to me, what I'd say is, well, they would just shift to the production of more soybeans. They would ship more soybeans, right? They would just shift. Do you, do you, is that another good argument? I would just say, oh, well, you're, you're just going to use your land for a different type of production.
0: So the reason why it's a good argument is because I can't go into the, um, the enrichment of the soil. I don't know what all prep work needs to be done. Now, I do know, I know probably just enough to get me in trouble because I know farmers, what they'll do to their soil is they intentionally grow, you know, certain crops in certain seasons because certain crops emit and leave, you know, various residues to where other crops can flourish. Yeah. So the reason why it's a good argument is Crop rotation. The good, the reason why it's a good argument is because I don't know enough to dispute it. Uh, because I can, I think it's it sounds reasonable. I'll, leave, I'll give you that it sounds reasonable. But I could see an issue to where saying, hey, you know, very similar to the, the Montana's and the Idaho's of the world, you can't you can't grow those crops there. exactly. I don't know because trees clearly are not you know naturally occurring in those states because they're very farmlandish. You know, yeah. they're very grass uh, grass heavy. Yeah. So that's why it's a good argument because I can't refute it. That makes sense. Does that make sense? But it no, sounds yeah. reasonable. But yeah. from a no, there's definitely from a soil economic, chemical, there's definitely standpoint? an economic impact.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. If you said, hey, let's reduce all this meat by twenty twenty or twenty thirty, but but do you see my point? Like oh, the yeah. soil could be an issue. Oh no! I, well, I think I already kind of gave the number. Two thirds of the land that cattle is raised on is not farmable land. So two-thirds of the land that, you know, cattle right now is raised on could not be used for uh, growing corn or weed or, you know, almond trees. I don't know. Just certain things. And, and that makes me think, okay, well, if we reduce the amount of meat consumption, do we have to now grow more other plants? And, and, but here's the issue with this argument is that, unfortunately, half of our entire supply of food, non-meat food, is actually uh, grown to feed the beef, right? So all the soybean, all the corn, all the wheat out there, all those farms are essentially just built to feed the cows that we now eat. So I think there's probably enough farmland. I would imagine. I think cows probably eat way more than we do. There's probably enough farmland to produce vegetables and fruits.
0: Yeah. What do you think? Maybe not actually. Okay. Those hold are on, weird areas. Hold on, hold on. Uh, fair point. I think right now, but hear me out. So right now, you go to. Uh, do you still go to fries? Yeah. Now they moved. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you go to fries. Have you ever done without breads or various produce or, you know, anything? At fries, no. Like they always have everything. Yeah. yeah. So what that tells yeah. you is the supply demand curve. Is, is perfect, right? At least in our little, you know, micro bubble here, right?
1: Yeah. Now, during
0: COVID, there was a couple outliers. Yeah, yeah. Out. So I, I I can't make statements based off outliers, right? And I would say that COVID is an outlier. Yes. Right. So traditionally in America, we're very fortunate, very blessed. I would even go as far as to say regardless of, of city or state, there is a very low likelihood that you go into a grocery store and you cannot find breads and produce and Things like that, right? We luck out. Like we have everything. very fortunate here in America. So I want to just speak just to America here. So what that tells you is our supply-demand curve is, I would assume, that we found the equilibrium point to where there's a perfect amount of supply because we're not doing without, and it matches the demand. So now all of a sudden we turn this two-thirds of farmland, and now we start producing extra wheat and extra, you know, all these various grains that you're alluding to earlier. Okay, well now we just have excess, and it's wasteful. So therefore, the, the prices are just going to go rock frickin' product. So cool, the consumers benefit. But then all of a sudden, the farmers go out of business. So then, you know, daddy government is going to have to subsidize them, right? So that way, all of them don't go out of business.
1: Well, you know, it's actually- this, Am I wrong there? No, no. This, I mean,
0: speaking high level, of course. Yeah, but, but the supply and demand would just shift, right? It would just shift
1: to the products that I can purchase. If I can't purchase beef, I'm going to be purchasing a lot more bread. Right, so even if the price goes down, I still need the calories, I still need the protein, I still need all the nutrients, right? So as a human, I still need the same amount of nutrients. I would just
0: shift what I'm purchasing. See, I don't, I don't see the demand for for the wheats of the world to go up. I see the demand for beans going up. I yeah. see the demand for nuts going so I'd up.
1: So I would be planning wheat, beans on my farm, not wheat. You see what I'm saying? I would be planning what the market is
0: de- dictating. So I don't know if the supply demand curve would be that big of a shift. Man, man, think about think about it. So, man, I, I really wish I would have went down this rabbit hole in my own head without, you know, being provoked by this conversation here. Because in my head, you know, like, let, let's, take, um, let's take pecans, for example. Yeah. Right? Let's say, for whatever reason, pecans just become, you know, wildly popular uh-huh. because they, they need them for, you know, the nutrition because yep. of this lack of meat. If I plant a pecan tree, when do you think I can reasonably get pecans? Six years. Exactly. Like, like the, the infrastructure, the plant infrastructure, if you will, I think that's the right word, isn't there. I mean, it, it, this is I so mean, crazy in, in central, talking, central California, a decade minimum
1: central California, this is like wineries, wineries, 10 year gain, right? Until they're actually profitable. In central California though, they had this problem. So I don't know if you remember this big drought that went through California. They were really affected by the water and a lot of farmers that had young almond trees. <laughs> that didn't, um, they weren't producing almonds yet, but they were like two years out. They had never gotten any money. They'd never had a profitable year yet. So they didn't have enough money to start paying for the increase in water cost. So if you go through central California, anybody in California that's listening, you've seen almond farms that have hundreds of almond trees that are just dead, never to be brought back to life, right? They're dead trees. Because during that point in time, those farmers had to just ditch their investment. To Jared's point, it takes time to ramp up some crops, not all crops, not know, all, but and, some and crops. I
0: intentionally use, yeah. you know, your point to almonds, cashews, pecans, pecarons, cashews, yeah. pistachios, like you know those nuts. That's not just a season thing. It is years in the making, hundred percent. So,
1: um, I was gonna bring up something really interesting that I looked up here, um.
0: So while you're looking for that, I think, you know, yeah. I, I guess the summation of those points that we were just trying to make is guys, this isn't a a knee jerk, a whim. This has to be a very intentional, very strategic, very long term decision. I mean I mean, if we're if this is truly the best thing for America, guys, this isn't, you know, something that you you beat your fist over and riot in the street. This is something that, you know, truly needs to be incrementally involved or implemented. I'm sorry, not involved. Incrementally implemented uh, across the U.S. to make sure that we can support the nutritional needs, or, or we're all going to die, literally. Right? I mean, yeah. I, oh, unless you, know, you just want us all on freaking supplements, which isn't the truest form. Well, you got to
1: get supplements from somewhere else, right? Yeah. Um. So here's here's what I was going to bring up, and actually, I didn't even write this down as a note, but this this stat amazed me. So you have a, a plate of food, Jared, and uh, you get served this at a restaurant. You go to the grocery store. You know, every week, just like I do. At the end of the week, do you throw out any of your food?
0: Um, I would say about once a month, we'll purge our our uh, refrigerator and pantry just for expired items. So, you know, maybe we had a hankering for something, we just didn't finish it all. Okay. I would say that's the minimum. I would say that's less than 5%. Really? Yeah. You're going to be the minority of Americans. Okay.
1: A third of all vegetables and fruits is disposed of. A third. A third.
0: See, honestly, man, with waste, especially with food waste, because I know how damn fortunate we are, it really pisses me off. Like, that that's probably one of my biggest thorns in my side is throwing away food. Yeah.
1: So, this happens in our house, right? Every week, I go, I'm like, I look at my fridge and I get all upset. And I'm like, oh, man, one extra tomato. But three of them, not two of them. Right? Now, it's soft. It's got that brown thing on it. I can't really eat it. I'm done. Throw it away. This happens. You know, some weeks it's zero, some weeks it's like half of my vegetables. Right? Go wilted or whatever.
0: Oh, I wouldn't sleep that night. Okay.
1: So this is not uncommon. Like I said, I a third. I understand. So knowing that, that Americans waste a third. Now, what do they not waste a lot of?
0: Processed foods. Meat. Okay.
1: Processed foods, of course, because they last forever. Yeah. But meats. So meats are a higher dollar amount. They have a intentional meal. And when you get a plate, and we've done this many times where we've cooked food, what item is usually eaten to the ninth, and what item might you leave on your plate? Yeah. You yeah. might leave some yeah. pasta on your plate.
0: Yeah. But not the main,
1: main course. Yeah.
0: You got, if you got steak pasta, you're going to eat all the steak pieces. hundred
1: percent, right? And so, interesting enough is that there's a lot of food waste in America, and a lot of it is actually uh, more of the veg- vegetable fruit items. So we actually have like almost an overproduction already. Of those items to your point. What well, we don't have an overproduction. And there's probably some waste. But it's not to the extent of vegetables and fruits. Is meat. Meat is actually something that is. You know fairly expensive. Because it's hard to do. So I just wanted to kind of bring it to that point. Because I bet you right now. Every one of our listeners goes. I probably have an expired avocado right now on my counter. I have a banana that's bruised too much. I won't eat it.
0: W- would you say you fall into that. Th- you-, you throw away the third of your vegetables and fruits.
1: Probably, probably 20% really yeah yeah you know maybe, what happened
0: maybe i went light at five but if it's over 10 dude, like so, i said it really bothers me to throw away shit
1: man yeah, i know it does but as soon as you have a kid
0: see that's different
1: because we buy a lot more fruits than me and anna can ever eat yeah right yeah. and so like when i buy those clementine but if lillian, bags
0: lillian if lillian's not hungry i don't know if Mav, mavs is he no no yeah
1: but lillian like you know we we open a banana up half the banana goes in the trash. Like unless I want to eat a banana right there. I'm mean, like, I don't want to eat a banana right there. Yeah, now.
0: okay, okay. So I'll I'll give that a pass. But you know, with Brittany and I just being yeah. two single adults, yeah. I guess married, but no kids adults. I'm sorry, that came out weird.
1: Um It's funny, I still say the exact same thing. What? Whenever I talk about me and Anna, I'm like, Yeah, you know, remember when we were back you know, we were single? I really mean like when we were didn't have kids.
0: Yeah, I don't know what you it don't make sense. Back in my head. when we were
1: just together. <laughs> but it doesn't you don't say that. Like when I m what I'm, what i am meaning is like we were like, you know no responsibilities. I say the same thing all the time, so it's funny that you said it that way.
0: Um, yeah, like I said, maybe maybe I can go back to five, but I, I would say no more than 10% of our produce is, is thrown out. Because also, you gotta understand, so I think you partake in this as well, and I'd be curious to hear your answer, you know, kind of throw back Thursday over here, you know, two and a half, three years ago before Lil, or I guess before Anna was even pregnant then, by that time frame, so Britt and I, like, on Sunday... After church, as we're driving home, literally Brittany will drive home, and I'll be in the passenger seat looking at what recipes I'm going to cook for this week. Yeah, we do that. So all my fruits and veggies are intentional for the recipe that I plan on cooking. Yeah, but I
1: have a problem. You're probably way better than this. I have a problem with when it says 4.2 to buy five.
0: Oh, no, I'll I'll buy five then.
1: Oh, if it says 4.2, will you buy five?
0: Uh, It actually depends on the ingredient. If I like the ingredient,
1: oh. I'll buy four. I o- I'll buy five. I always, if
0: I don't like the ingredient, I'll yeah, buy four. Yeah,
1: I always overpurchase
0: on vegetables because they're so cheap. You know, it's actually really funny because you're talking about the Fitman Cook app, right? Yeah. I will literally go up to the top and change my servings to where I get full numbers. Oh, yeah, I don't ever do that. I always do five. That's funny.
1: Five or two. Yeah. Um, those are the two numbers. Like I, Because that's it's either five servings for our lunches or two for me and Anna. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I always this So hey, back to this. So let's get some ideas on how to fix this. Okay. So when I was reaching, this is like I said, why I'm passionate about it because I think this is going to become a large conversation that I think people really need to be armed with the facts and and also understand that there's not a lot of facts here. This is very opinionated. Like the health is so discussed. It, Is it really that meat causes, you know, we already said, is it really that meat causes uh, cancer or is it that that person that eats more meat is 200 pounds overweight? Right? That's the first one. Climate. Is it really that we have too many cattle or is it possibly that we're burning maybe fossil fuels? Like, what is really the issue? And and unfortunately, I think meat is going to be targeted because it's an easier target than the oil companies. I think meat's going to become like, oh, the farmers that nobody knows their names of, that live in the middle of America, on a ranch that raise you know, 300 cattle, they don't have a big of a voice um, as these oil companies do. They're not billion-dollar companies. This is a, a farmer that, you know, was trying to make ends meet, you know, that has 200 heads of cattle. I think that that's going to be an easier target, and I think that the shift's going to change. And I'm a little upset about that because these guys have made America run for 300 years, which is interesting, right, to think about. So here's one solution that is being proposed. Let's raise the tax or create a tax for meat. The tax would need to be between 35 and 56% for beef. 25% 25% for poultry, 19% for lamb, and pork to reflect the environmental costs for their production.
0: Do you know how many hunters that would create, like for hunting for venison?
1: A lot. So, guys, this would take your, let's, let's just give a... $10 steak. Yeah, $10 and steak. $15. $15 for one steak. So you're a family of, of four and you guys are going to do your Saturday steaks. Yep. Yeah that took the $40 purchase and just made it 60 $65. No, no. Yeah, $65. That is crazy. So that, that that's what they they estimate. This is based on UN projections on the amount of tax that would be required for western countries, right? Europe and America and Canada uh to increase their uh, beef cost to a point where people would slow the purchase and consumption of beef, poultry, lamb, and pork. So in in the UK, for example, 200 grams of beef is around 2.8 pounds. This would raise it to 3.8 pounds or 4.3 pounds. So in most cases, actually almost doubling uh, the cost of, uh, or close to doubling in the UK. What do you think about a tax on meat, like almost like it's a cigarette or alcohol? Like, a, what what is that kind of tax called? What do we call those devil taxes or bullshit taxes? No, oh, sorry. What, what do we call them? There's a
0: name yeah. for taxes that the government tries you, to disincentivize. I know what you're talking about, dude. All right, so I didn't I didn't come across that. So is is that real or is this just Cody land?
1: No, this is UN. This is UN recommendations to Western civilizations, Western countries.
0: Wow, I I know I'm going to piss what 204 countries off. How, how many countries are a part of the the UN? I think like 204.
1: No, no, the UN's only like 30 countries.
0: No. Yeah. NATO or the
1: UN? Which which one's 30 countries, NATO? Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: The United Nations well, is like Well, I, maybe I'm wrong, man. Was, yeah, so I you, you remember that me, rec- before the pre-beer yeah. of the, <laughs> the pickle show. So shit.
1: UN though is recommending this. 2 NATO-based countries, pretty much, because most NATO countries are are Western countries. Yeah. So that's what they're saying is, hey, you rich countries need to reduce meat consumption, but China, Russia, uh, most of Asia, you guys shouldn't reduce your meat consumption because it's going to help you
0: move forward. Okay. NATO, UN, whoever, fuck you. Really? That's 56% tax on my steak?
1: That's on the high end. It's the low end's 35. Oh,
0: okay. Are you kidding me? Come on, man. That's ridiculous. Okay.
1: Okay. So now what they would do with that tax though is they would redistribute a lot of that um, from the sale of meat and animal products across a population yeah, um, in, in a lump sum payment at the end of the year because they realized that some individuals, especially at the lower income brackets, would be um, unfairly affected by this tax and so, you know, so let's say, you know, certain individuals do buy a lot of ground beef and they're low, at a lower income bracket, they would take the funds paid at that tax and they would say, hey, here's your 2000 or $3,000 um, lump sum payment for everybody else eating excess meat. That would be, that's that's one proposal currently on the table. Not on the table, but proposed as a possible solution to curb meat consumption, what do you think about that?
0: I I think it's a horrible idea. <sighs> I, I think I, I think that's I don't know. I I I guess maybe let's let's take a step back, dude. I know we're I know we're finishing up, but you know, with this inhabitable land for other crops to where it actually can only produce grass for beef, before we start getting into these these proposed I think ridiculous 50 plus percent taxes. You and I have to agree or disagree on is beef or red meat that bad for the world? Yeah. um, So, because if we say no, then a 1% tax is too much. Because a lot of statistics and a lot of conversations have been centered around, I mean, not that bad. Hell, ninety six percent of the water is actually produced from the rain, which is going to happen regardless of what we're consuming. Two thirds of the land is is uh, inhabitable for for other trees and other crops. Hell, we already have a perfect supply and demand curve given our our uh, abundance. Not, not perfect. It's actually weighted. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I guess it's I guess it's a little thirty percent excess. Yeah, thirty three. Yeah. It's so excess. so I guess like I said, you and I have to stack hands because if we don't think beef is that bad. Then a one percent tax increase is, is ridiculous. Yeah. So, am I wrong there? Should, should I should I maybe, so I think humor this for a little longer. No, what?
1: no. So let's talk about the two different things, right? So like let's let's talk about health. I think the evidence and the data on health is inconclusive, right now on beef being bad for you. I think it's inconclusive, and I, I actually think it probably doesn't make sense from a evolutionary standpoint if you're looking at pure science you look at how humans are built and you say would it make sense for us to be on a vegetarian diet because if it does then maybe there is actually a biological requirement or biological uh, need to be more on a vegetarian or vegan-based diet there are some basic necessities let's look at like b12 omega-3 Right? You look at those items, there is no plant in the world that provides these elements, and without them, you die. So with that science right there, it tells me meat needs to be part of our diet. Right Now, now how much? Probably Americans probably eat excess meat. Okay, cool. Now, is that is that for somebody else to tell you how much you eat? Are you eating too much kale? Are you eating too much meat? Is that up to somebody else to tell you, Jared,
0: that's that's where my that's where my pun intended. This is where my beef is. The rub. No, no, no. I like for the episode. This is where my beef is.
1: It's funny because rub makes sense too.
0: Uh, it does, yeah. Well, yeah beef I, rub. I, I see your point there. So this is this is my uh, this is my issue with this. So you mean to tell me all three meals and all two or three snacks that I do throughout the day should just be perfectly aligned to what the UN or NATO or the US is telling me I should eat? Do I no longer have the free will? Because I guarantee that Reese's that I grabbed in a little candy jar walking to the bathroom doesn't necessarily align to anything. That's bad for me. I know that. (sighs) You
1: know what? Let's add this to the uh, podcast list. Processed foods, big food companies. Yeah. How much control do they have in our food in America? What do you mean how much control? if you look at a a grocery store, how much of it is allocated to unprocessed food versus processed food? Mm. So how much control do they have over the American diet? Cause if you walk into a grocery store, what 80% of it is processed food. The other 20% is unprocessed food. That's, that's, that's being liberal about it too. I I think it might be more, but they have a lot of control over our entire production system, over our entire food system, what we eat. So I think that'd be a great episode to kind of say, Hey, are we actually in control of what we really eat, or we've been kind of subliminally controlled, you know, through you know the Coca Cola, Coca Cola's, the Nestle's, the Pepsi's, oh, the Frito Lay's, the big guys? I like that one, so let's add. Yeah, that.
0: yeah, we can definitely add that. Yeah. But um,
1: so I see your point.
0: That's why I'm saying, like, look, and, and <laughs> I, I just think it's a dangerously slippery slope. If if I'm going to be, you know, almost audited, if you will, like, oh, Jerry well, you, you had four grams and you were allocated two and a half grams of
1: beef today. So me and Anna just watched this movie and I know we, really we have about five minutes left. We just actually watched this movie where there's a bunch of kids that were um, trained to go to this planet that will be the next Earth. And unknowing to them, it actually takes 200 years. Right? So unfortunately, no humans live for 200 years. So they, they get trained and you know, as, as 10, 12, 15 year old, I think they're like 15 years old. They go through all this camp. They don't they don't get to witness the rest of Earth so that they're not going to miss Earth. They live pretty much in this like small colony on Earth with the knowledge that they're going to help the civilization and, and they're going to be trained to be engineers, trained to be architects, whatever it may be. I forget what this movie was called, but really neat premise because one of the challenges with humans is free will. So throughout the entire training and throughout their first, you know, 40, 50 years on board that spacecraft that's going towards this planet for 200 years, they're growing older and older now, you know, when they turn 15 or probably 20, they do a little bit of investigation and they find out that they're getting fed a drug that makes them less creative, makes them less free willish. And I'm not trying to take this to the sci-fi mix, but whenever there's any type of person that's trying to control what food you eat, it makes me take a step back and say, I think I should be in control of my diet. I'm not trying to go to the stream here, but it's kind of a weird kind of analogy here that I'm trying to take from a movie where they, the kids were not allowed to you know, pick if they wanted vegetables or meat. They had to take a very select drink, very select food, and in that drink, there was a drug that made them a bit more submissive, almost. I don't know if that helps or, or or ruins the conversation here a little bit.
0: No, no, I think it's a I think it's a fair analogy here at play, but that that's where I'm just apprehensive to to taxing to limiting. I don't know. I, I, I'm sorry that that you're 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 taking away. I don't know if it's a codified freedom, but a, a definitely perceived freedom of, eat what you I want. can eat and drink whatever the hell I want here. Right? Because what's next? You're, you mean to tell me beer clearly is bad for you, but look at the basis of our conversation, of our podcast, six pack discussions for God's sakes. And it's funny because what do we talk about on our drug
1: episode of which drugs should be legal? We said all of them should should somebody be telling you what you can and cannot eat? No. Okay. So I like this on the basis of our health. You know what? I can be unhealthy or healthy. Yeah. Or climate. Look at all the fatties in America. 100%. And they can eat Reese's or they can eat a steak or they can eat a kale salad. Doesn't matter. Now, climate. So we talked about health. Yep. <sighs> let's, let's go with the premise. And I think... I think this might be a little bit more solidified than the health discussion. Really, from a science standpoint, I think there is a contribution of beef and cattle. I really do to the overall contribution of greenhouse gases to the atmosphere. Agreed, mm-hmm. right? Methane Very gas, suitable. methane gas is giving off to the ozone or the atmosphere, and it's causing a warming effect.
0: Right, Al Gore. <clears throat>
1: No, I just, okay. that, that's I'm, true. Yeah, okay. it's causing a warming effect of some sort. Is that warming effect out of the standard? And here's something that I thought was an interesting fact. And bounce this off you, and then we could probably you know start getting this thing closed up. But before white man, before European settlers came to America, there was eighty percent the amount of cattle here in the United United States in the name of bison. So there was a lot of deer, a lot of elk, a lot of bison. And like I said, let's say there's a million cattle right now in America. There was 800,000 bison doing the exact same thing, eating grass, farting, burping. I don't know if that multiple was 10x or 5x, I don't know how much more of effects because there wasn't clearly any climate change, you know, happening because of just bison living, you know, on the, on the prairie. Like, they weren't negatively affecting stuff. I'm just wondering how much of a, a, like, how much of a more of effect are eating cattle having than the bison that used to be there? That's an interesting kind of concept, right?
0: That is an interesting concept, yeah. Huh.
1: It's pondering right now, thinking.
0: I didn't. Is that a real stat?
1: 100%. Just... 80%. They said of all the heads of cattle, there was 20% less bison. Now, of course, there's a lot less bison nowadays because a lot of them got killed from yeah, yeah, yeah. settlers, Native Americans, things like that because we gave them firearms and cow or uh,
0: uh, not as desirable for a meat. It's not easily produced, it got yeah. it just yeah. The,
1: the, the herd was huge, but it got disseminated pretty I'm much, done. um, or reduced. Um, so. Just looking at that. Now, of course, this is just America I'm talking about. Other countries are doing lots of different things. Brazil, of course, is doing a lot of different stuff with their rainforest. I'm just wondering, is it the effect that we believe it to be on the climate compared to what has happened in the past that is not in human control? And that's always where the climate conversation kind of feels like it's a little bit more unsettled or mashed up. It doesn't feel like it's solid just yet. Where is your thoughts on that?
0: No, no. I, 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 first of all, I didn't realize that it was eighty uh, percent of the cattle. Because I mean, the way you read some articles, you would think it's ten x. Yeah, and yeah. That's is contributing to the massive ozone uh, detriment to our ozone. I guess. Um, you know, man, you, you you hit me with the left hook that I wasn't uh, I wasn't prepared to block on that one. I I wasn't aware of that stat. It's almost one of those things where okay, well, that makes it seem like the methane emissions aren't that big of a deal. That's how I interpret that. At though, least,
1: right? at least in North America, apparently, there's other parts of the world that never had bison right. or ruminant. Or I think animals. Now they have cattle. I think Brazil's the one. Um, but we can't tell Brazil what to do. Clearly, now if we put a tax on the meat, we could stop eating their meat. And they would probably stop producing it, of course.
0: Interesting, man. Dude, this
1: is a oh, uh, like I said. I think you thought this to be a little more cut and dry, but I feel I like.
0: Did. What do you think There's about a couple nuances to it?
1: I know, and so I know we're about to finish up right now, guys. Thanks for just hanging on. Uh, do you think, based on my original statement, do you think this conversation is going to become mainstream here soon?
0: No, I think it has to because it has to. It has to become mainstream because we have to plan five to 10 years in advance of this pivot. You know, as we were talking about earlier, the the, the the crop infrastructure, you know, the soil makeup, you know, this is an overnight thing.
1: Okay, so if we decide to make a change, this is 10, 15 years out for farmers to make the shift. If we don't decide to make a change, there has to be a valid argument against not making the change, right? And so that valid argument has to take time to validate, is this actually unhealthy for, you know, Americans? Is this actually causing... Exponential challenges to the environment. And I just don't know if there's been enough research and evidence, you know, evidence based research done on all this. And it
0: has to be bipartisan. It can't be a Republican issue. It can't be a Democrat issue.
1: And that's where I think, that's why I think it's going to get really a a lot of steam here soon, is I think this is going to be captured as a political point.
0: I hope neither party makes a stake because just where we're at right now, Let's say the Republicans make this claim, then the Democrats are just going to think that they're a bunch of dumb rednecks. If the Democrats make this claim, then the Republicans are just going to think that, oh, it's just a bunch of, you know, soft people that, you know, want to free the world. Um, I really hope this doesn't become politicized. And I hope it's able to just (sighs) remain factual. Because that's one of the main things, because I I don't see it being a political issue today. And I think I called it out early on in this podcast. That's what I really appreciated is, you know, some of the factual scientific articles that I was reading is it actually called out saying, hey, my study, this is where the data told me, but here are the various flaws in my study. And you don't get that whenever it becomes politicized. You don't.
1: Okay, guys. Really appreciate you guys all listening.
0: Thanks, guys.
1: Bye.